Good morning, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to Essex Church and to this, our gathered community of Kensington Unitarians. Ours is a community created by all who walk through our doors. So whether you're new to this place this morning, or you visit here when time allows, or, or if you're somebody for whom this congregation has become one of the foundation stones of your spiritual life, all are welcome here. Whoever you are, whatever you are, however you are this morning, know that this is a place, I hope, where you feel that you can be yourself. This next hour, this version of our gathering by the river, this can be an opportunity to explore, a chance to rest maybe, a chance to connect with yourself, with one another, with your God and all that you hold to be divine. So let's take a moment now to calm and centre ourselves, to recognise consciously that we are here today at this moment in this place together, arriving here with our own concerns, our own particular version of the human life story, and yet together we create a community of fellow travellers, seekers, explorers of the spirit, So may we each find this morning something of that which we are most in need. May the burdened find their load lightened. May the weary find some rest. And may the joyful find ways to share their happiness with others. That our spirits be inspired and uplifted. And may the divine light that shines throughout our universe shine now upon us and upon this place. And may our worship here be illumined by all that is great and all that is good. (coughs) I'm lighting our chalice, this symbol of our worldwide Unitarian community in recognition of the one humanity that links us all. As Unitarians, we respect the worth and dignity of each and every human being, and we strive for equality of opportunity for all, regardless of gender, age, beliefs, race, sexual orientation, or any of the many, many ways we human beings divide ourselves from one another. This, um, this morning's service is about um, making a difference. And um, you, you I'm, by the way, I'm turning the service around a bit. We're going to do the story now because the children are then going to go off and have their own program and then we'll have a time of prayer and reflection afterwards. Um, I think that one of the problems that we humans have, and I think you raised it really well there, um, Sam, is is in coming to terms with the extremes in our natures, our potential to create both heaven and hell here on earth. We've got free will, haven't we? And what a wonderful thing that is. It's a privilege, it's a huge responsibility. I think no wonder then that so many uh, spiritual teaching stories raise the issue of our power to intervene in our world and how best we should use such a power. So just two uh, little quick stories. Um, 
One of them, you perhaps have heard before, of a, of a wise man living in a small village. He was the kind of person that you would go to to ask, well, what crops should I grow? Or what should I do with my difficult family member? Or what should I do in dealing with this illness? Hugely respected. People from far and near travelled to consult him. Also in that village was a, a young a young man struggling to find his place in the world. He doesn't know his value and worth. He struggles to find the respect of others. And in in frustration, he decides to challenge the wise man, believing that if he defeats the villager's most revered person, well, then he'd be able to take that man's glory and respect. So the young man crafts a plan and shares it with his friends. He says, I'm going to take a baby bird in my hands and I'm going to offer it to the great man of knowledge and I'm going to ask that wise one two questions. What do I have in my hands and is it alive or dead? And of course the young man's challenge is in that second question. Is the bird alive or dead? The young man tells his friends that should the wise one answer alive, well he's going to crush the baby bird to death with his hands and throw it on the ground and conversely if the wise one answers that the bird is dead well then he'll open his hands and the bird will fly free he sent I've I've brought a bird along but actually in the week I've had this it's grown (laughs) so I want you to imagine something about the third the size of this and, and quite small and very quiet okay so the boy sets off I mean, really, this is far too big, isn't it? (laughs) Okay, you're not meant to see the bird. All right. So, here we are. This is the moment. That troubled boy goes through the village, gets to the wise one, and um, defiantly, when he gets there, that young man thrusts the hidden bird and asks the man, what have I got in my hands? And the wise one answers, you've got a baby bird in your hands, perhaps because you can see the beak. (laughs) And then comes the second question, is it alive or dead? Well, the wise one looks quietly into that young man's troubled eyes and says, well, the answer lies in your hands. (laughs) And that's the story of the baby bird. But I've got another great story, but this is something that you mustn't try at home. Okay. <sighs> yeah, it would be lovely, wouldn't it, to have the wisdom of that wise one when we have choices to make, to remember that the power does indeed lie in our hands. But of course, we're human, and oftentimes when we try and improve things in life, we succeed only in making things worse. And the answer, of course, lies in not in, well, should I take action or should I not take action? It lies in the understanding of a situation. Right, the bird's going away. So there's a story that I love of a a priest walking down the street who spotted a little boy jumping up and down trying to ring a doorbell. The poor lad was too small and the bell on the door was just too high. So the kindly priest went and rang the doorbell for the little fellow And then turning to the boy, smiling, the priest asked, so what do we do now? And the boy replied, run like hell. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you youngsters, you might say a very
and let us join in a time of prayer and reflection. As I call on the spirit of life and love to be with us now and to bless all that we do and say together here today. As we look back over the week that has passed, we'll perhaps be aware of the times when we fell short in some way. When we allowed ourselves to be diminished, perhaps, by harsh words or thoughts. By failing to act, perhaps, or perhaps by acting too hastily. Let's think kindly of ourselves. We may be aware of the failings of others. We may have been let down in some way or hurt or harmed. May we find the gracious gift of forgiveness if it is time for us to do so. We may have been frightened or saddened or angered or frustrated by life. May the gentle flowing waters of the Spirit allow us to let go of that which is ready to be released. And may the light of understanding shine upon our situations in life so that we can better understand what is required of us at this time. And in a few moments of quiet now, let us each send our thoughts and prayers to individual people or groups or places perhaps where we know that love is needed. And may we live this day compassionate of heart, clear in word, gracious in awareness, courageous in thought, generous in love, and in touch with the wisdom of that which will help us along the path. Amen. Come down off the ladder. Wash out that paintbrush. Shake the sand out of your shoes. Get off. Get up off your muddy knees and give the garden a morning off. Fold up the newspaper. Turn off the coffee pot. Close up your calendar, already filled with dates and times and people and places that claim you. This church is ready for you to fill its rooms, to create its spirit, to generate its warmth, to kindle its light. This church is ready for you to make community, to create beauty, to bend it toward justice, to serve its ideals. 
this church is ready for you to be here honoring our past invigorating our present and dreaming our future this is our church together we create it being here together an act of creation I am uh, I'm no economist, I am no accountant, and so I take it as a sign that there is a God with a sense of humour that it was me and only me who was around yesterday to have a long talk on the telephone with the accountant who was signing off Essex Church's annual accounts. She has set the accounts out differently this year and she was clearly very, very keen to explain what she'd done to somebody, and that turned out to be me. So I listened politely, I looked through all the pages, and I said at the end, well, it all looks lovely, thank you. (laughs) Now, for those of you with knowledge of such matters... I've got a set here of accounts for you to have a look at later. And, um, you know, I'd be interested to hear your judgment on how nicely they're set out. But don't let me pretend to be completely clueless, because I know how to read the bottom line of accounts. And I checked that there was enough in the bank to pay my wages for another year. (laughs) And James and Jenny's and all our musicians. And definitely Gitana the cleaner. And we can pay the electricity bill. So what else is there to worry about? All is well here financially at Essex Church, I think. But all is not well in our society, at least if you, like me, think that we should be trying to create a society as equal as we possibly can. And I don't know why Britain is one of the most economically unequal societies in Europe, but we are, as as new statistics released this week by the Office for National Statistics reveal. Britain's richest 1% have accumulated as much wealth as the poorest 55%. There is nothing wrong with wealth, but there is something wrong with poverty. And in an unequal society and an unequal world, I think we are charged with trying to find ways to redress that balance. And I think one of the first steps in in making a difference in any sphere in life is recognising that we can do something and that it's worth making an effort, however small that effort is. um, This is a, a quotation from a book about making a difference in the world. Even if you are willing to take responsibility and do your part to make the world a better place, well, you may be thinking, but I'm only one person on a planet of over six billion people. I can't possibly make a difference. Problems such as racism, hunger and inequality seem so big that it's easy to feel small and powerless. How much of a difference can you actually make anyway? 
Well, in truth, you can only make one person's difference, no more and no less. And on a daily basis, we not only have the power to perpetuate the world's problems, we do have the opportunity to stand up for the creation of a world based on our own deeply held values. And the book goes on to make suggestions about how we invest money, however little we might have, how we can write a letter, how we can actually make a phone call to a friend and really make a difference, how small donations add up to a lot, how we can choose what we purchase and who from, and that we can participate in small group activities that actually start to change the world. Not only does each of our actions have a direct impact on the world, but of course every choice that we make sends a message to those around us. All those simple choices of choosing to walk rather than getting out a car or actually using the recycling bins, doing some volunteering and supporting one another in living in such a manner that we create a better future for all. And, of course, we increase our effectiveness when we join with others. Victoria Weinstein, I don't know if anybody uh, remembers her visit here a few years ago, a UUA minister um, who has a really delicious sense of humour. And she tells the story of being in her church office early one morning. I'm, I'm sometimes down in the church office, and this sometimes has happened to me. She was there one morning when the phone rang, And the woman at the other end had rung up to ask what the topic for today's service was. And Victoria replied, before she'd even had time to think straight, come to church anyway. It doesn't matter what the topic is, even if you hate the topic, come to church anyway. And later, uh, she wrote about this conversation. She wrote, come anyway. The church needs you because you are, in fact, the church. So by getting up this morning and coming to church, we're all making a bit of a statement about what's important to us. Now, shield your ears if you've heard me ranting about shopping. Because, you know, in truth, I can shop with the best of them. The state of my bulging cupboards uh, bears witness to that. But what concerns me, this is the rant, is the way that shopping is now shown to be the number one leisure activity of people in Britain. The number one leisure activity. I don't quite know why I find this so sad. Is it it wrong to describe perpetual shopping as a a soulless activity and, and one that I think personally is ultimately disappointing Because do you, like me, share that thing of after the thrill of the purchase, all too soon, the pleasure is stale? And then what can we do but go out and buy something else? William Wordsworth, Wordsworth, fantastic romantic poet that he was, wrote in one of his poems, The world is too much with us. Late and soon, getting and spending, we lay waste our powers. Little we see in nature that is ours. We have given our hearts away, a sordid boon. 
And of course, he's advocating, advocating getting out there in nature. And uh, yes, that, that for sure is free. Thank goodness Paul Wordsworth did not get to see Westfield Shopping Centre on a busy Saturday afternoon. Jesus, in uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, creates a powerful image of us humans collecting our material goods. And he warns us, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. Coming to church on a Sunday morning in British society is just not part of our prevailing culture, is it? And I just wonder how we can start to build up our pride then in being countercultural, of holding a possibility of a different way of being. And to do that, we perhaps need to clarify for ourselves why we are here. If you have a look on the back of your hymn sheet, um, I ask you the question, how has this community changed your life? But of course, for a number of you today, this community is one that you are visiting. But the mere fact that you have bothered to visit this morning tells me that something is important to you. So I wonder if that is your Unitarian or Unitarian Universalist faith, or coming to church another church, and because you're not in that part of the world, you're here with us today. So I'm going to invite you to answer this question or to finish these statements and to fill that in in the box and to leave it anonymous if you would and hand it in at the back of the room when you leave the service here today because I want to work on this whole idea of what is it that actually has people get up and come to church. So here are my suggestions. How has this community changed your life? Finding Kensington Unitarians has made a difference to my life because being a Unitarian has changed my life because I'm grateful to this community or another faith community for coming to church has dot dot dot. I spoke to a few people this week who I thought might not be here today to answer. Um, and one mentioned that coming to church meant that they could could belong somewhere where they didn't have to believe things that they couldn't in all good conscience believe. Someone else mentioned that coming to church made her connect with others in a way that she might otherwise have avoided. Another valued the quiet, reflective time that this hour gives in an otherwise crazy world. Another was glad to belong somewhere and not be isolated. For me, being part of a community such as Kensington Unitarians means that I'm encouraged to live a bit more mindfully. I'm encouraged to go a bit deeper and I'm encouraged to hear other people's points of view. So would you want to take a moment now to think about that? I think Niall's got some spare pens and pencils if you want to um, write something down. Just spend a minute thinking about this. And if you're not somebody who, who has ideas coming quickly to them, there's time over coffee later to, to write something if you'd rather.
In the Jewish Talmud, it is written, Do not be daunted by the enormity of the world's grief. Do justly now, love mercy now, walk humbly now. You are not obligated to complete the work, but neither are you free to abandon it. So we can't do everything, but we can do something, and that something can be greater when we do it together in community, making a difference for the good, with awareness, understanding and love. Amen. Do not be daunted by the enormity of the world's grief. Do justly now, love mercy now, walk humbly now. You are not obligated to complete the work, but neither are you free to abandon it. And so let us hold our responsibilities for our world, lightly yet fervently, recognising always our power to make a difference, knowing that the choices oft times lie in our own hands. Amen. Go well and blessed be.